Welcome to episode three of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. If you're new or returning, remember each week we read through a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about the characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show that's coming out later this year. We'll also be discussing comic history, comic reading, and other Moon Knight news. This week we're going to be digging into the very first issues of Moon Knight Volume 1 from 1980. We'll learn about Mark Spector's death and his resurrection, see how he met Marlene, meet some of his classic villains for the first time, plus we're going to talk exactly about what continuity is in comics and look forward to the first Moon Knight trailer, which uh, looks like it's going to be dropping on Monday night. I'm your host, Dwayne, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey, great to be here. Looking forward to talking about these books today. This, this, is, a, this is a good good stack that we have this week. Let's, let's go over what it is we're going to be talking about. Sure. So, we are digging into Moon Knight Volume 1. This is essentially where he gets his first solo series. It's where he starts to actually be a... Uh, a solid B-list character, uh, able to sustain his own his own books in the Marvel Universe. And so the ones we're going to be looking at today are Moon Knight Volume 1, number 1 through number 14. The reason we chose that, there's actually 38 books in this series. It went from, I think, 1980 to early 1984, something like that. Um, but we needed to break them down a little bit because it takes a while to read these 1980s comics. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, but then also, this was a reasonable break because this is the 14 issues that were newsstand versions. Uh, as of number 15, it moves to being direct sales only. So we're going to look and see if maybe there's a little bit of a shift in tone and things like that as that happens. But to kind of go over uh, initially, uh, what we're going to do is just take a quick overview of things. Uh, there's a lot of story that happens in the books we're reviewing this week. So actually fully covering everything that happens, unraveling all of Doug Minch's crazy labyrinth and plots and all the rest would take a lot more time than we have or than that you probably want to listen to. So considering our primary goal is to familiarize folks with the Moon Knight character himself and his world and sort of get the information that you need to be ready for the TV series. Uh, what we're going to do is talk in general terms about what happens in these issues. Occasionally we're going to go deep where we need to in particular places, but for the most part we're not going to do a full breakdown of them. Uh, now, if you are interested in that, in getting these deep dives on individual issues, there are places to do that. And in fact, the Into the Moon Knight podcast has been going on for a number of years now, and they have you covered for that. Uh, one example would be that you could check out episode number 75 of that podcast. It's called The Moon Knight Mythos Begins, and it would give you a complete hour-long review of just Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 1. We're also going to need to spend some time on Issue Number 1, because it is extremely important, right? So we're yeah, going to spend more yeah. time on that than most of the others today. But we still are going to be trying to Maybe not cover the whole thing as in-depth as we could. Uh, Moon Knight number one from 1980, incredibly important for the character, fleshes out his origin, 
introduces one of Spectre's most important adversaries, uh, Raul Bushman. Uh, we're also introduced to, God, to the god Khonshu and to the idea that Spectre has actually been resurrected by that god. Um, he's an Egyptian god. That first issue has a lot going on in it. After that, we then get a bunch of other issues, which also are, for the most part, full individual stories that there's a lot of world building being done. The rest of the first dozen or so issues then introduce us to new villains. They often involve Moon Knight and his team heading off to exotic locales, places like the Caribbean or even the Midwest. Uh, the family members in trouble, secrets from the past to unravel, and punches thrown. So all of these comics are available on Marvel Unlimited. They can also be found in collected form, in trade paperbacks, or if you want, you can go and try and hunt them down at your local comic store or on eBay. That said, the original comics are getting a little bit spendy now. They've gone up quite a bit in price uh, over the last few years with the Moon Knight series coming out. If you do want to get some of these issues, really the most effective uh, and cost-efficient way to do it is to just go in and get a Marvel Unlimited subscription. A quick rundown of what happens in issues 2 to 14, though, would include this. Uh, issue 2, Spotlight's Crawley. Shows how his troubled past led to his son becoming a murderer. Uh, number three introduces the Midnight Man, who's an art collector with an attachment to committing crimes at midnight. Number four brings back the committee, ties us back to Werewolf by Night, as the new committee hires a team of hitmen to kill Moon Knight. In number five, he takes on a group of crooks who are searching for 500000 in lost cash and ends up having to disarm a deranged and homicidal old woman. Uh, then <laughs> I'm, I'm not making that up. No. Uh, you can vouch for me. Uh, yeah. Number six also then is a, sort of a classic horror spin. Moon Knight and his whole team head down to the Caribbean to take on a plantation owner who's been turning island residents into zombies with the goal of forcing them to harvest his drug crops for him. Now most of those were all standalone stories, but number seven and eight uh, actually tells a single tale about a number of terrorists poisoning the Chicago water supply. Uh, whenever anybody in Chicago drank some water they would then essentially go crazy start tearing up the town and the idea was that they wanted the city to pay them in order to stop poisoning the water supply so that things would go back to normal uh, Frenchie and Marlene actually don't find out that the water is poisoned until it's too late they both go a little bit crazy uh, after drinking some of that water and Moon Knight is actually the same one for a change and uh, saves the day with a big assist from Crawley Nine and ten, it's a two-parter as well. We get a Bushman and Midnight Man team-up. They take on Moon Knight, and our hero then has a breakdown when they steal his beloved Khonshu statue and smash it right in front of him. Uh, luckily, we find out that it's just a copy that Marlene had made before safely stashing the real one, and everything ends well. The sack then finishes up with two more issues. Um, number 13 is a Daredevil team-up against the Jester which is a standard two Marvel heroes don't know each other, meet up, start fighting. And then number 14 is the introduction of Stained Glass Starlet. Uh, and Scarlet is a person we'll see again a few times, and number 14 is really a wonderful issue. Uh, kind of an, an interesting, nice one to end with. So, Dwayne, uh, what did you think of these issues? They, This was a... A, a really good set of of books and I think I, I think I we definitely have to talk about issue one because 
basically they came up with a whole new version of how Moon Knight came to pass. We, we've talked about uh, in the first episode how the committee hired Mark Spector, had this had this suit for him, and, and, and that was how this worked. But it, the, this issue has a flashback that shows him as a mercenary in Africa with Bushman as kind of the lead of the team. And he, 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 he's kind of on the outs with Bushman because of all the crazy and, and messed up things that Bushman is doing and ends up getting on the wrong side of him. Uh, Bushman ends up leaving him for, for dead out in the middle of the desert. And he finds his way to, uh, an artifact dig, which is why they were in Africa anyway. And he, basically dies in a pharaoh's tomb in front of this statue and then all of a sudden is resurrected it was quite it was it was quite something i would say i i i I was not expecting a complete kind of redo of the origin of the character compared to what we what we had known to this point so that was that was a a bit shocking actually that sort of thing's going to become very important also, this is where he meets Marlene, right? Because this yeah. is she her father is actually the person leading the dig. Bushman comes in. The guy knows that the dad knows that Bushman's bad news, so he's going to go and stab him in the back and take care of him. Spectre actually stops him from stabbing Bushman, at which point Bushman's like, "Thanks." And then he like bites the dad's neck with his crazy teeth and kills him right in front of uh, of Spectre and in front of Marlene. Spectre then helps Marlene get out of town. She goes off to this dig. And then she's actually there when he comes back to life. So she's actually one of the only witnesses to the fact that ostensibly he was dead and now he's alive. Right? Right. And that always bothers her. She's never really sure what she saw there. But it is it is weird enough to sort of confuse her and freak her out. As, yeah, that, as it does Spectre. Yeah, that thread actually through these first fourteen issues comes up again from time to time. The time mm-hmm. whether they're talking about the statue, whether they're talking about like his powers, whether they're talking about um, you know what he's doing or why he's doing it. it. That that thread kind of keeps keeps coming back. So that was that was really um, real. It, it's obviously a linchpin point to the to the character and kind of this whole universe that that is being built around around the character. So, so what did you think of issue number one? So the the issue was really dense because that part was just kind of half the issue as this flashback, and then we flash flash to current day and Bushman's trying to start up a, a syndicate or something in New York and and he's Moon Knight has to go after him. I I don't know what to think of uh, about it. I I think this is So let me it, ask you more specifically. What do you think about the new origin? I think it's a little hokey. <laughs> if I'm being if I'm being right. totally honest and and it maybe it's not fair to Moon Knight as a character but I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about other superheroes and how their origin stories and kind of the 
the mythos around their beginnings and and maybe it's an unfair comparison but it, you know if you're if you're like me and you don't have a ton of experience with a lot of these characters you know the batman story you need the superman story you know you know um spider-man you know iron man maybe all all of these and there this is this is not the that kind of story this is definitely more unique uh a little bit strange but i i mean i can't i i don't know that i can fault it necessarily it's just it's just it wasn't what i was expecting i guess so i mean the the simple fact is that the ones you mentioned spider-man batman yeah, they have the best origins, but the, they're the true A-list heroes of comic book history, right? Sure, There's a reason sure. they're great, and part of the reason is because they had great origins that have set them up, you know? Right. Um, essentially, the Uncle Ben story with Spider-Man defines him in many ways through the entire run. Batman and his parents and whatever, it all defines him, sometimes more than I really wish a lot of times it would. A lot of the second level characters have less impressive origins. Um, you know, She-Hulk got a transfusion and became She-Hulk. And Spider-Woman was sort of like uh, given some sort of ther medical therapy with spider stuff in it. And for a while, that was actually the thing that normal people thought she was odd because she sort of smelled of spiders or something. So... Some of the some of the origins of the Marvel heroes are not spectacular. <laughs> in, in in actual in actual comparison to the overall, I would defend that Moon Knight's got a, a solidly reasonable origin. Um, sure. Let, let me one, just, let, let me just say this. I I would say that what it felt like to me is it felt like a villain origin. It feels like in a lot in a lot of cases it feels like the type of origin that a villain to one of those A-list uh, A-list comic book heroes would deal with. Like, how the Joker was created, or how, you know, Scarecrow, or, you know, I, I, I'm drawing a blank of yeah. non-Batman villains, but you, you get the, you get, you get the point, is, is that it's, it, it, it didn't definitely seem like an A-list hero, it felt more like the A-list villain, as opposed to a, your heroine for this, for this so set the, of episodes. the other interesting thing there is keep in mind that Marvel has a history of heroes who start out as villains. You know, Scarlet you Witch and, and Quicksilver were members of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants before they were Avengers. Um, Hawkeye started out as a bad guy. There are numerous uh, Marvel heroes who've actually sort of made that transition from... Well, I mean, Black Widow, when you think about it, for the most part, you know, was an assassin uh, and actually a, an antagonist early on and then has developed into a, a hero. Um, so it is, it is not that uncommon, especially for some of the, the more... The, those who know, don't necessarily have as many powers to end up coming in from this. Um, but, yeah, I would agree. I mean, anytime you start out as a mercenary who's wandering around with people who are killing villagers wholesale it's not a great it's not a great resume for a hero right no. um but he does 
he does then, because of that, bring in that sort of... And, and this is maybe one of the reasons why the personalities are interesting, is that he knows that what he's done in his past is unconscionable. And he almost tries to literally leave Mark Spector behind when he becomes these other people so that he can sort of slough off the responsibility of that. And as Moon Knight, he's a different person who wasn't that guy who was participating in all that stuff. But, yeah, it's... The origin story is... The one thing I will say about it is that one of the things about it that probably is bothersome is it's a little undeveloped, but that's also one of the reasons it's going to be great as other writers take it on over the next while. Um, there's there's a lot of a lot. Le- a lot of leeway there and a lot of uh, liberties that our other writers and and artists could take with that as a result. I would imagine. Simple questions like: Was he resurrected, or was he just? You know, did the guy who took his pulse just not listen long enough? And he was alive all the time, and it's completely natural, and he's just imagining all of this. Um, you, you, you've got a lot of things that you can do with it moving onward. And folks have taken advantage of that. There's going to be a lot of takes on what happens in the desert and how that plays out over the next decades of Moon Knight after this. So... So let, let's talk about what that means to the original origin. We we had this committee that hired him, and sure. we, in issue four, basically find out that Frenchie was a part of this committee and that actually Mark Spector was already Moon Knight, and Frenchie took, opposed as a member of the committee, got in with them, gave them the Moon Knight costume, suggested they hire specter and then and, and then that's how that whole thing with werewolf by night actually actually happened yep. that that was that i i thought that was an interesting way of bringing that original origin from way back in the werewolf by night into what we now know as moon knight in this series mm-hmm. but also tweaking it enough that like there there there's definitely differences and that completely changes the outlook of what he did during those two issues and kind of sets a d- different light in basically everything we've read up until this point yeah yeah it, it definitely does and it's it was frenchy all along i guess is is what we would say so um what this essentially is it's a retcon that they're trying to bring in specifically so that they can distance themselves from the werewolf by night stuff as they're trying to turn him into a hero. Because as you noted, it's really difficult to rationalize that part of the... the like like the origin they present isn't dark enough. Um, the, the guy he was in Werewolf by Night is very difficult. So what they do in this case is a retcon and I've heard some people call these Orwellian retcons, but they're, they're a retcon where instead of changing what happened in the older comics, they just say, well, but actually what was happening back there, you didn't know this piece of information. So now it was all good all along. So it turns out he was a member of the CIA or something like this the whole time. He was going in undercover to try and take this out. And the reason why he originally fought the werewolf so hard and would have given him over is that he was like, well... 
it's kind of a two for one, right? I'm going to get rid of the evil committee and I'm going to get rid of a werewolf. Everybody's going to be very pleased. But then he realizes that that werewolf is actually, um, you know, far more human than, than maybe he'd originally thought. And so he lets him go and just works with him to take out the committee. Um, which, as a, you know, somebody who's supposed to be protecting people, letting a werewolf go just because you, the guys who captured him <laughs> were even worse may be questionable. But, uh, but it does send a completely different light on how all that worked. You can you can believe it. You cannot believe it. Um, it's it's a pretty cheesy retcon, but a lot of times it's sort of like you just sort of move on. You're like, okay, they've made an effort. I'm just going to accept this as the new status quo, and I'm not going to worry about it. So, and and I think that's sure. the easiest way to go with most of this because sometimes if you if you think too much about this stuff, it just hurts your head. It's, it's it's comic books. I, it it wasn't yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It it was just it it I I wasn't exactly I would say as a result of issue 1, I wasn't necessarily looking for them to retcon that original origin, but the fact that they went through mm-hmm. and did it in issue 4, I think actually made made me appreciate yeah. it more. Right, that made me feel like okay, that that wasn't just a complete waste of my time. There actually was something there, and it led to an to a fair, a pretty good story in its own right. In with this revised committee, the five assassins that they hired to try and get Moon Knight and all that sort of thing. And while while it seems a little cheesy, I. I I, I I'm perfectly okay with that, and actually was kind of excited by the end of the epi- end of the issue because I was like, oh, that's that's cool. We are we we really are taking these other stories seriously. That the, these yep. did matter, and they they do play a role in the character that I am seeing now. That is correct. That is what Marvel wants. So, and before we leave issue one, I'm going to defend. I actually like the origin, the new one. I'm I'm okay with it, but maybe that's just that I've had it for forty years and I'm used to it, and so it's it's my thing. I'm I am comfortable with it, but uh, but I'm interested that yeah. I wonder if if I was reading it for the first time or seeing it for the first time, like some people might be, if they do something similar on the show, if other folks might not have that same feeling you do in that case. That it's a little yeah. bit it's a little bit cheesy or. Or just a little bit inappropriate for a hero in some ways, right? I so I mean I don't have a ton of background like as far as how much they're willing to kind of manipulate or or kind of re redo kind of the story or kind of um, shape the story in a certain way. I I we I don't know if we've seen a uh, an origin story necessarily from these tv series as of yet so it's it is this really is kind of uncharted territory if they presumably they are going to need to do an origin story to explain why why this 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 character exists so unlike some of the previous series whether it's wandavision whether it's hawkeye whether it's loki we we had 
other spots where that character had appeared before it appeared in the TV series. So they didn't have to necessarily explain an origin story. It, it, I, I really am curious to see how, how they address this when it comes to the TV show. Well, and this has been reinterpreted a number of times now. So it'll be, how do they address this and from what, what volume or what writer's perspective? There you go, so, and and, give and it, it give could it end up being a it could be end up even being an amalgamation of a couple of those things too yeah. potentially as well because yeah. again the audience isn't necessarily beholden to uh, all the com- comic book interpretations. We got to see a supporting cast. We 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 have Crowley, we have Gina, we have Marlene especially, but they 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 got a lot of depth to them across these 14 episodes and and also some of the tragedy that that we've seen uh for heroes throughout comic books um and and even some of their loved ones um but i definitely feel more invested in the cast surrounding moon knight and in fact uh in issue two uh because of the story arc, uh, Moon Knight actually reveals the fact that he is Moon Knight to Gina, to Crowley, to Gina's kids. Actually hires Gina's kids to help him going forward. And so I, I don't know if you, if you're listening to this, if you, if you picked up on it during the description of these episodes, it is Moon Knight and team, not just Moon Knight in a lot of these cases. And so like when he goes to uh, when he goes to the Caribbean or when he goes to New Orleans or something like that, he's bringing ostensibly mo- most of this group with him uh, to do this, which is very unexpected to me. I, I, I guess I am used to the idea of the hero of the story being this loner that maybe has one trusted confidant uh, and and really nobody else knows who he is he or she i guess and 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 be because it can be a liability that sort of thing more harm can potentially be done uh to people but but they found out right away Moon and Knight doesn't they worry about that yeah they they helped out throughout the throughout these issues and and we're in and we're in mortal danger almost all the time so yeah. <laughs> yes. i think in the caribbean yeah. we had what Crawley and and Frenchie were hanging upside down, about to be murdered with a knife by someone, and the two boys were just about turned into zombies, and uh, it was, yeah, so super dangerous to help out Moon Knight, but they all seem to be happy doing it, so that's that's how that goes. Um, yeah, it's, I really enjoyed that. It, it seemed like as they move from this is a character who appears once in a while as a backup or as a, a guest character to this character needs to be able to support his own ongoing series, one of the things they needed to do or wanted to do was to expand or at least upgrade the the stories of and the background of all of the supporting characters in the cast so that they'd be able to use them more. You'd have a richer environment to work through. And so, you know, you, you see Crawley dealing with his son and, you know, his son actually turns out is, is trying to find him and kill him because he was such a terrible father when, when the kid was young. Uh, and eventually um, 
He does get captured. Crawley will not turn on him in court. He then somehow gets a gun away from one of the cops in the courtroom and ends up being chased to his death off a roof by, by Moon Knight. Um, so as, as usual, dangerous to be a family member of a main character. Um, Frenchie's ex, uh, ex-girlfriend in number 11 um, also dies uh, as they're trying to kind of figure out what she's up to. She was actually undercover and things went bad. Um, but we get in that, we get to see his backstory a little bit. It's almost like a, a Casablanca Rick kind of story where you go back with the flashback to the, the, the previous days. Um, and then Marlene has her brother um, actually involved in creating one of Moon Knight's villains. He is the doctor who is taking care of uh, Morpheus and or the, the young patient who's going to become Morpheus. And then, of course, at that point, Morpheus is angry that he's given him an experimental drug that's turned him into this monster who can't sleep. So he comes back to try and kill him, and Moon Knight gets involved. So, uh, But during that as well, we get to see more about Marlene's family. and So really, everybody's kind of getting their turn. Um, and then the boys as well, uh, just with Gina, the fact that she's got these two teenage sons, and Moon Knight hires them to help out, find information, uh, things like that. Yeah, they they were actually tasked to go find out who two of the five assassins were yeah. uh, that the committee was trying to send at Moon Knight, and so they go to this this shady bar and end up confronting a guy in a back room who has a gun, and they somehow take the gun away from him and find out who the assassins were, and then report back to Moon Knight. It was... That should, that should not have worked. They, they probably should have been dead. That, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure that, that it's conscionable, some of the things that they ask the boys to do. But nonetheless, that's, uh, that's how that goes. And, and it really does make for almost like this big family now. You know, They all know who he is. They all know his multiple identities. Um, in the issue where he sort of loses his mind after the Khonshu statue breaks, they're all out looking for him. Everybody in the everybody in the group is searching the city to try and find him and sticking together. So it's actually kind of uh, a kind of interesting, and I think with a character like Moon Knight, who the character himself is this mercenary, he seems like he would very much be a lone wolf type character, and that they build this strong supporting cast around him is really pretty interesting uh, yeah. and then now what we're going to see is how that continues and what happens with that cast as we move uh, into the future through other adventures so. so so the thing i can't seem to shake at least through these first 14 issues is it feels like batman and i and i don't know that that's supposed to be the case i i imagine it's not supposed to be the case because batman is a is a dc character and Moon Knight is supposed to be his own character in in a Marvel universe, but just you know, going out at night, winning, but winning while getting his butt kicked a bunch of times, having a cape, yeah, having all these really interesting toys like the truncheon and the and the the throwing stars, the crescent moon things. It it feels a little Batman esque. It's the the rich playboy who goes out at night to yeah. hunt criminals in his you know fancy fancy copter and stuff like this yeah um but 
But his his cape is white, so he's completely different <laughs> than, than, than Batman. Yes. Like Batman is yeah. black. I mean, and this isn't this isn't unusual. You've got Green Arrow in the DC universe. You've got Hawkeye over at Marvel. You've got essentially with them. You've then got you know Black Canary and Mockingbird, who are very similar characters in a lot of ways. You've got all of these analogs that exist between the two, but. When you look at these issues, there's no doubt that they feel like a Batman comic. They read like a Batman comic. I think a big part of that is we haven't talked specifically about art yet, but all of these issues are drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz, and he is spectacular. It's also very, very obvious that he's extremely well-versed with Neil Adams' art and with sort of the style of art that would have been in the Batman comics from the early 70s. And there are a number of panels where just the way that Moon Knight's standing, the way that Moon Knight's moving or the cape is moving, it absolutely feels like classic Batman. And there's nothing particularly wrong with that as long as it's not Batman, right? They do keep mm. the, the characters distinct. That probably is why they do try to play up some of the things like the multiple personalities and the like, uh, just to, to show a distinction. Right. But it's interesting that even there, Batman in the early 70s, even into the 80s, a lot of times he would have separate identities. Uh, he would, for instance, have almost like his own Jake Lockley. It's a character called Matches Malone that he would use when he's infiltrating the underworld and things like this. So there really are a lot of similarities there. Those similarities don't hold, though, because okay. over time, as, number one, as Sienkiewicz leaves, that will make a big difference. Um, but then also, as they play more into the Egyptian myth, as they play more into some of the different psychological stuff and things like this that Moon Knight's also famous for, he becomes less and less a Batman. And he never really has... One of the core things about Batman is he's always been like the smartest guy in the room and the leader as well. And Moon Knight's never going to lead the Avengers. That's really not his thing. So visually, uh, there's a lot of, of similarity here. And then also you do have the fact that they're both street-level heroes. So they don't have powers. And so the way that they fight... And the sort of stories that they tend to be involved in are relatively similar too. So I, I would say you're you're one hundred percent right. Okay. When I looked at the list you had of of things in what you called the Batman problem, I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you you've got me. <laughs> There's no question. I, uh, I I will say that I am looking forward to. A time where there's a bit more of a distinction between the two, and and it sounds like it's coming, so that'll be that'll be something that I'm going to look out for. Uh, we did see in these issues uh, some discussion about the fact that his powers and where they come from seem to have kind of shifted a little bit. We talked last week about the fact that you know he had, was bitten by a werewolf and and so he was more powerful at night, but they did kind of backtrack on that a little bit and. And you mentioned the the pharaoh the pharaoh Kenshu statue, and the, there was talk about how maybe that was helping to power him and, and where his powers came from. And then that statue uh, actually gets stolen by Midnight uh, 
Mid Midnight Man during uh, issue nine and gets broken. And he sort of, he goes into this kind of trance thing for like the rest of the issue. Meanwhile, Bushman comes out, reveals that he's kind of the master be, mastermind behind even Midnight Man doing this and, and getting them all together. And and he's going to basically kill all of them. The, the, the butler who got kidnapped, Midnight Man and Moon Knight, who are all in this underwater sewer thing. So that's gradually filling with water. But his... His powers and where they come from seem to be seem to be shifting. Well, and in these in these particular issues, he really has no powers, because Conchu has sort of given him a mission in his mind, but not really any particularly extended abilities other than being alive when he wasn't alive. So he like sure. resuscitated okay. him, but just left him as the same guy, and. He was talking to Marlene about how he no longer is getting stronger at night, which evidently having a character that gets stronger based on what time of day it is and what day of the month it is and everything is just a nightmare for a writer to try and keep straight. So they wanted to get away from having to have that high variation power uh, level, um, which makes perfect sense. But what they ended up doing is simply depowering him to where he is now just a a very well-trained, you know, military-trained rich guy with some nice toys. Yeah. Which which sounds like no other heroes that we know, and I don't <laughs> want to hear about it. Uh, I, so, at issue 13, you, you've touched on it, is a crossover with Daredevil. That's the first kind of crossover that we saw mm-hmm. under a Moon Knight comic. Um, you know, Moon Knight previously was crossing over into other people's comics, and now now Daredevil came in, and he they actually ended up fighting Jester, who it sounds like was a a Daredevil villain uh, or a villain that Daredevil was familiar with and had, had incarcerated before. I I don't know that the issue was like mandatory reading if you're if you're trying to uh understand uh moon knight but but i'm curious is there going to be more crossovers are we going to see other marvel heroes going forward occasionally in in the moon knight in in the moon knight universe and and helping him because i mean he's going to you know we've We've got the reading list kind of that we go through. We're going to be relatively soon getting to West Coast Avengers, where he becomes a member of the Avengers. Um, and then there are occasionally times where other characters will cross into his books. Although for the most part, he does keep to himself more than a lot of Marvel heroes do. He's not well, he's not always like regularly crossing over with other sure. characters, but occasionally. I think one of the interesting things here that I, I think you mentioned when we were talking about this a while ago is that he knows who Daredevil is already. Because Daredevil's been around for a while. He's kind of famous. Daredevil doesn't really know who he is. Right. So they are um, they're at different stages in their career right now as well. So, but, uh, but yeah, I would agree that's not really other than just firmly establishing that he's there in New York with the rest of the heroes uh, still at, at this point. Um, there's not much to that one you really need to, to worry about or talk about. 
So the end of 13 is is uh interesting insofar as it there's a promotion at the end of every issue where they talk about what is coming in the next issue and there was a preview of what was to be issue 14 and and there was it was something of the fact of uh this uh, he rules from his basement that that that's the phrase that i keep remembering uh was that was kind of the tease as to what the next issue is going to be and then issue 14 came and we had an entirely different story we didn't have whatever that story that was the being teased at the end of issue 13 that was not what we had in issue 14 but what we had in issue 14 was a really really well done story about this very sympathetic character named scarlet uh who is turns out the mother of a uh a, a an ex-con who is just getting out of prison and is kind of immediately going back into uh into a life of crime after uh finding some money that his father uh had had stolen who was like a mob boss or something like this but i i think one of the best if not the best issue of the of this set of books was that issue 14 and it struck me as it as odd that we had this promo for one story and we got a completely different story but that really that different story ended up being really great so i have i just had to go out and look in in marvel unlimited to see if i could and i do not know how to to explain this um you are absolutely correct in 13 the story that's being solicited for 14 at, in the last page of 13 is the one that we actually get in issue 15. It's called Ruling the World from His Basement. That is also solicited again at the end of issue 14. Yep. So I have to assume they just screwed up the, um, the blurb here because issue 14... If it was a fill-in issue where they're like they were expecting to do the other one, but then they couldn't for some reason, so they had to put in a fill-in, it would probably be a reprint, or it would be an issue that was thrown together by some other creators or whatever. But this is a full Mensch Sinkevich issue in number fourteen, which Sinkevich uh, even inked it himself. There's no way you could do that without being sort of on schedule, right? Right. So. I'm going to look this up. I have to find out what's going on now. But that is weird. I, my suspicion is that they messed up the blurb on 13 and that issue 14 was always going to be Scarlet. But I don't know. That's one of those weird things that, again, I don't even read the little coming next blurb. I just go on to the next story these days. So you are catching all the stuff. That are the, the little extras that I've started just not even noticing at this point. So How did yeah. you like the how did you like that story? I, I like I said, I think it's one of the best stories that we read this week. And right up there, actually, with the with that Hulk set, that Hulk oh, story uh, as being because it was it was it was heartbreaking. They spent a lot of time on Scarlet. I'm assuming we're gonna see more of Scarlet down the road. We are, although I will say that 
it's almost certain that you're not alone in this because stained glass starlet scarlet has as a um like her reputation as a, a villain or a character within is far higher than what it would you'd think be considering the relatively low number of times that the characters appeared but the stories have been really strong whenever they've written about her so yeah this this is definitely one of the one of the jewels of the first volume of Moon Knight. There's there's no question about it. Um, I I would say that as just a story, um, without taking into effect its you know importance for the character or whatever, it probably is the best story of these first fourteen issues that we read. That would I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean we learned about we learned so ultimately she has. She ends up shooting her own son. The 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 ex-con confronts both Scarlet and Moon Knight in this church, uh, where where the Moon Knight's asking why she is looking for this guy that he's on the lookout for because he knows he's going to jump back into a life of crime and wants to stop him before he does anything. And you know, she, he ends up the, the the bad guy, Mad Dog, uh, ends up shooting Moon Knight, and he's like almost falling down, and then Scarlet shoots shoots her son, and it is mm-hmm. there. The, there's backstory that explains how how you know how this kid or how this other person ends up being her son, and why he's like he is because of his dad and everything and just the art that was with that it just it was just a really really well done story and um i i i i was unaware of the character before this but i'm very much looking forward to seeing scarlet again whenever whenever she pops up the characters never appeared i don't think anywhere outside of the moon knight books um I guess I can't say that for sure, but it's mm-hmm. a very niche character within the Marvel universe. It's not somebody. Sure. Um, it would be interesting to to see them try and do something like an an adaptation of this within the within the actual um, TV show, but I doubt they'd be able to just because it would have to be a take too much time as a diversion probably from from the main story, and I doubt it would be the main story. So, but nonetheless, hopefully. We, uh, yeah, we will see. We will see more of her. But, okay. Uh, so, so one last thing I wanted to touch on, and it's the it is the alter egos, and it is. I, I'm I'm struggling with them a little bit, and sure. it, it it is it it is a little weird that every time the Stephen Grant puts on the Jake Lockley uniform to go out on the streets, he kind of announces the fact he's Jake Lockley. And, like, when he's talking with Marlene, Marlene's trying to talk to him as Stephen Grant, and he's got the Lockley outfit on, and he's like, no, no, Grant's not here, it's Lockley, and that sort of thing. And so, it's, does this get better? Does this get worse? How, how, yes. how exactly should I feel about this? I think you're feeling exactly the way, really, that you're supposed to right now, which is that okay. it's obvious there's something weird going on with this character, but we don't know exactly what yet. And right. again, different writers are going to take different directions. 
but you are going to see that there are times when Mensch treats it as though the personalities are essentially something he just he just intentionally puts on and almost is doing it as a as an act and there's times where it's almost like he can't really control it and and it's sort of gotten out of hand it almost seems like it's something that he started as a way of just getting information and being into blend into different environments but over time he's sort of losing track with his himself as one person and and drifting into these different people um even so though there were a couple of times where he was doing it and marlene was just like okay stop it and he's like oh okay and then he yeah. won right so yeah there is still a control in in this one he's still somewhat in control of you know he changes the clothes and then he changes but he can be stephen grant in lockley's clothes right now if he really wants um as we move on, it's going to go all over the place. But okay. I will tell you that when we see our trailer, you're more likely going to see a very disturbed person uh, right. in the Moon Knight um, outfit. He has extreme um, sort of issues with multiple personalities, dissociative personalities, that sort of stuff as we move forward. Um, but right now, I don't think that we're really seeing that yet. Um, yeah. it's, it's something that sort of develops as you get into the nineties and even the two thousands, you start to see that a lot more. So okay. right now it's just odd. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that's, that's the 14 issues. Let's, let's, let's briefly, let's talk new characters, places, items. We, we saw, uh, the, uh, he's retrofitted the truncheon. And it can now be made into like some nunchucks that he yep. uses in a couple different, Correct. different, uh, different scenarios. Uh, that that seems pretty cool and handy. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't can't imagine that would be a bad thing. Uh, during the visit to Chicago, he Frenchie gets drinks the water and ends up turning mad and actually crashes the helicopter into a lake or a river or something. Yep. So they have to completely redo the copter, which so they have a new version of the copter for the latter half of these issues that we read. That was that was kind of interesting. Um and with with the introduction of the original the new origin Bushman uh definitely feels like that's a character that we're going to see a lot of and I'm assuming that's going to be a key character in in the TV series. Because he's kind of the mentor of Mark Spector originally, kind of is kind of how I read it to be. But is there is there any other characters or any anybody that we should should look out for with regards to future issues or uh, with an eye on the TV series? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, I would think that Midnight Man, Midnight, uh, some combination. Um, of that is going to be featured because that's been a, a recurring important villain for him. Um, well, it, by next week, you'll know the difference between Midnight and Midnight Man, and then we'll go from there. But this this character uh, sort of group 
going to matter in some form during TV. Okay. Um, Morpheus, I think, could very easily if they decide to go dark. Um, Morpheus is probably the most powerful of Moon Knight's native villains. Um, and yeah. if they want to do some stuff that's more psychedelic or really lean into some of that sort of thing, that would be a good option. Scarlet's always a possibility. Been a very popular character for a lot of time, sort of with with fans. Uh, even if it was just as a, a cameo type thing or something, they could do that if they wanted. And then Ray and Ricky, the the boys, are this is really the first time we've seen them doing anything, and it's very possible that they will be involved, um, even even potentially um, rather than as teens, like in a slightly older capacity. So. Yeah, Mor- Morpheus is actually a re- was the character that really seemed to be uh, re- really really did a number on Moon Knight in that in that mm-hmm. story. Uh, that was a character I I was not even sure they, that Moon Knight was going to be able to to really defeat, but they did defeat him in the and put him into this kind of stasis coma thing that hopefully he stays in, but. Probably not, as as villains tend to to get out and and wreak havoc yet again if they're if they're not dead. Um, but we, we we talked about the trailer. There there is in fact a trailer coming, and we found out that over this weekend. Let's let's yep. talk a little a little bit about that. So yeah, don't know hardly anything except we know that it is coming out on Monday during the football game. So Monday evening, we will get maybe on halftime, probably at halftime, maybe sometime before, who knows, we will get our first actual trailer. There was that weird little teaser that came out a while ago that just had a few seconds um, of, of really broken up footage. But this one should give us a halfway decent idea of what we're actually going to be dealing with. And there's even a possibility that somewhere on it is going to be a date telling us when this thing's actually going to start airing. So... Uh, we'll be watching that, and actually we're going to, um, normally, show uh, comes out on Tuesday, we're going to record a quick, probably just five minute or so update to publish on Wednesday with quick reactions to what we see in the trailer, and, and how that might uh, change kind of what we think about what's coming for the next, uh, the next few weeks, so... Yeah, so we'll have a regular episode release on Tuesday like we normally do. Uh, but this then one you're listening to. The one you're listening to now because we're recording this on Sunday, the night before the, that trailer comes out. So you'll get your regular episode now on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday you'll get a bonus mini episode where we're talking exclusively about the trailer. So look for yeah. that uh, 24 hours or so after, after, after this comes out. But... Yep. Uh, real quick, if I was gonna if I was gonna read through this, wh- what are the important stories or the great reads? Wh- which which issues would you focus on uh, if you were if you were picking up as issues to read from this list? I think that number one, just with a bullet, has to be the first one you go to simply because it is the one that has has so much backstory to it and right. it's referenced in so many things. If you want just a great story, uh, probably number 14, uh, the stained glass uh, Scarlet story, is the best individual story. Um, as far as the villains, uh, 
12 has the origin of Morpheus. Um, number 3 has the origin of Midnight Man. And so probably those would be the main ones. And really a lot of the other ones are, they're fun to read, but a lot of this is, is just character development for Moon Knight and his supporting cast. So it, uh, it's good stuff, interesting stuff, but a lot of the, the books where they're off on their vacation things where they you know, are fighting zombies or whatever, not critical to understanding the character or the like. I, I personally w- would definitely recommend all of those. I I liked episode or issue four with the with the uh, retcon and the retcon. learning about fr- uh, Frenchie's That's... involvement with the committee. I thought was good, and then I really liked the the trip to Chicago uh, issues seven and eight. Um, I think from an art standpoint, they were interesting. From a story standpoint, they were interesting, and it, and seeing Moon Knight outside of. New York was kind of cool as well. And he kind of ends up having to save the day on his own because the team gets incapacitated with this madness uh, that was in the water. So uh, seeing him with the help of Crowley uh, going going in and and, and, and uh, saving the day was was worth a read in, in, in my uh, estimation. Very cool. So So big picture. We've now done this for three weeks. The stories we read the first week, kind of the early ones, Werewolf by Night, Defenders issues, that sort of stuff. The one second week were from the Hulk, um, and now this third one where we're starting the, the volume one. What What's your favorite so far? Uh, my favorite so far, I think, are the Hulk issues. I like I liked the... I have not found a story I like more than the 17, 18, and 20 uh, the, with, with um, that character, the Hatchet Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not found a story that I've liked as much, though, as I said, the Scarlet issue, issue 14, was, was a standout of this group and um, is very, very close in caliber. I just, I liked those stories a little bit more, and I'm... You know, I, uh, that's not to say there isn't standout issues here, but I, I liked the other ones a little bit more. And, and both of them clearly ahead of the first week's issues, I take it? Yes. There, yeah. There's a substantial, a substantial level of increase, uh, both in just character complexity and storytelling that I think uh, elevates these over those original, original yeah. stories. I would agree, and it's interesting because the Hulk stories and these are all basically told by the same creative team, but those early ones, maybe partly because they were in the, the Hulk magazine so they could do some, some different things they can't in a comic book, I don't know, they just did seem that they they were really excellent. So those, are the, those would be the ones I'd pick too. So, um, so what, with, what, what are we looking at for next week then? Staying with Moon Knight Volume 1, moving on to the next 12 books. We're going to be doing number 15 through number 26. And then the week after that, we go from 27 to 38 and finish off the first run. Right, so that is is what we will be doing. Uh, We want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, We'd love to have you stick around as we continue this journey through the story of Moon Knight, as well as 
uh, potentially a TV series coming up shortly. So uh, we recommend that you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice, whether that be Apple, Google, or Spotify. We are on all of those platforms. If you're already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. It will help others find the podcast. Uh, if you can send us questions or feedback uh, on the show to us via email at questions at phases of the moon night.com. And for updates on the show, as well as other announcements or to interact with us on social media, you can do that on Twitter at phases of MK. This was a good week. I, I really liked these issues. I'm looking forward to next week and talking about the trailer, the trailer we're going to see tomorrow. That is going to be interesting. We, uh, it's always terrifying for a comic book fan for the first uh, the first look at something they're looking forward to because sometimes it's spectacular and sometimes it's not. So we're gonna we're gonna hope for spectacular and we're gonna sit back and enjoy tomorrow and and let you know what we think. So right until then, thank you all for joining us and we will talk to you again next time. All right, have a good one, folks. Bye.